as a, as a church, we've been going through Matthew. Um, we think it's really important to kind of look at um, the whole of the Bible. The whole of the Bible speaks to us. So that's why we go through it kind of not topically, but systematically, passage by passage. And last time, we had compassion with us last week, but the week before that, we were in Matthew 14, where Jesus walks on water. Um, and this week is uh, the passage that follows after that. But before that, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for the kids as well with what they're looking at. So God, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you that you speak to us today, that we know about you, what you're like, what the world is like uh, because of the truth that's in that book. Um, Without it, we'd know very little. Um, And so we thank you for it and we thank you that uh, you speak to us today whether we're really small, really tall, whatever it might be that you speak to us. So I pray you'd speak to the kids that have an amazing time this morning. But also for us, God, we'd enjoy you speaking to us and hear your voice. And I pray it would change our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. So uh, it's Matthew 15. For those that want to follow along, I'd encourage you to, just because then you kind of check in that what I'm saying is okay. Um, but today's passage... You know, if last time was like super exciting, Jesus walking on water, and that's pretty cool as far as things go, before that, feeding 5,000. This one is, on the face of it, less exciting, but I think almost just as relevant for us today, because it's not every day, you know, I've never seen it, I've never seen Jesus walking on water, but this teaching as he kind of talks to Pharisees and scribes is the kind of thing that I feel God would say to us, if that makes sense. So as you read through this, don't think, <laughs> look at those idiots. Those scribes and Pharisees think, oh, this could be me. Okay, that's the challenge. Okay, treat it as if Jesus is talking to you because the likelihood is he is. Okay, don't think, oh, I'm not like those people. They were so stupid. They had Jesus there and yet they did this. Whereas actually it's probably more likely it's, oh, I'm just like that. Certainly, as I've read through this this week, I've gone, oh, man, this like reads like my life and how I need to respond to what Jesus says, how I need to hear his voice and change. So I'm going to read the first part. I'm going to read the second part a little bit later. So it's Matthew 15, um, 1 to 9, if you have a Bible. So it says the following. Uh, Then Pharisees and scribes, so this is following Jesus healing a bunch of people and walking on water. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and they said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his dad or his mum, what you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you've made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That's the first nine verses. And I'm going to read the second half of that a little bit later on um, as we kind of progress through the story, if you like. So I want you to just see this, okay? Jesus has walked on water. He's fed 5,000 people. He's doing amazing things. He's traveled over to the other side via foot over water. 
healing a bunch of people, and then a bunch of scribes and Pharisees, religious leaders, travel, verse 1 we're told, travel from Jerusalem to come and have a word with Jesus. That is their mission. They travel from Jerusalem. It's not like rolling out of bed and Jesus is at your front door. They've gone, I know, today we will travel for many hours and we will we'll go just so we can have a word. That's precisely what they've done. They've traveled because they want to have a word with Jesus, okay? And it's to have a dig. I know it's done with a question mark in your Bible, but it's to have a dig. It's like, Jesus, did you know that your disciples don't wash their hands? They've traveled from Jerusalem to do that. that, that like, it, really? Am I the only one that's kind of a bit astonished? I think it's a bit mad. No, you think that's normal behavior? <laughs> Even as a parent of two small children who never wash their hands, I think this is odd behavior. That they're not, wash- not that they're not washing their hands, fine with that, kind of. But that they are traveling from Jerusalem to tell Jesus, to grass on his mates. Jesus, did you, you're not the son of God, so of course you don't know that they're not washing their hands. Like, it's just a stupid thing to do. And they've gone massively out of their way to do it. Okay, And it's as if to say, they've not been washing their hands when they eat, but guess who washed their hands before I had my tasty salad? I've been washing my hands every day, Jesus. I've been using soap. I've been using moisturizer. That's what they're doing. They're like, look at my hand washing skills. Look at your disciples' hand washing skills. They're not doing it right. Look how awesome I am. And look how bad they are in comparison to me. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to big themselves up by knocking other people down. And you know what? I was thinking about this. We might not travel from Chesterfield to Clay Cross to tell someone they've not washed their hands. But we might put something on social media that we shouldn't do. Or we might send a nasty message via text to someone. Or we might send a stinging email. Is that not exactly the same thing? Oh, I'm awesome. And I'm angry. Send. And I feel great about myself now. And they feel wretched. Maybe that's our modern equivalent. that Us going out of our way to elevate ourselves to make other people look smaller. Do you see what I mean when he's saying, actually, we're a little bit like the Pharisees sometimes. That we can fall into the same trap even though we think we're completely different. They've come all this way to do that. And the question came into my mind is, how do they know? Have you thought about that? How do they know that the disciples haven't been washing their hands before they eat? They've been in Jerusalem. The disciples are in different places. They must be monitoring the disciples' activity. They must be somehow checking whether that person has been washing their hands before they eat. And that's what happens to our heart. We, we so focus on the behavior of other people that we neglect our own. They're so caught up with the behavior of other people, even in a different place... That they don't watch their own heart and their own life, which Jesus kind of comes back to. And it got me thinking a little bit like, I've seen it this week, you know, with the whole like Theresa May speech. I'm not going to get onto whether I think it was good or bad or whatever. But like with the UK politics, and I think politics in general, but particularly UK politics at the moment, you know, it's really easy to slag off people and knock people down, isn't it? You know, if you're blue, you'll knock down the reds. If you're yellow, you'll knock down the blue. If you're Red, you'll knock down whoever. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, can we not see that perhaps even though I vote this way, that somebody else has something commendable to say? Can we not see that? 
but instead we're so like, actually, regardless of what they say, I'm going to say that I'm better than them and draw attention to how awesome I am and how awful they are. And actually, it's not just in politics. It's in all of life, isn't it? I do it all the time. Look how great I am. That means you're less great than me. Like, and I don't do it on purpose. It just happens because we're human beings and we naturally do things because we naturally want people to go, wow, look at that. It's amazing and we have to watch for it. And this is what happens. They say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders for they don't wash their hands when they eat? Okay, the tradition of the elders, for those, you might not know what this is, so I'm going to explain. It's not something that's hidden in your Bible. It's not something that if you turn to the middle of Leviticus, because you only got to the start of it because it's really boring, it's not something that's in the middle of Leviticus that you've never read before. It's not there. It's not something that's in the Old Testament. God hasn't told me, Daniel, you must wash your hands before every meal, because if he did, I'd be in trouble. It's not there, okay? It was their tradition. It was something that they'd put together. And the tradition of the elders was like, it was the interpretation of scriptures by all these like esteemed people, okay? So you've got your like Pharisees, but then you've got the rabbis who are like on another level, those guys all got together and were like, well, this is, means this, and this means this, and X means Y, and we'll put together this little book. And so they put together this little thing uh, that they called the tradition of the elders. And in that would be the interpretation of the law, in that would be some prayers, in that would be some blessings, and in that would be some conduct. So this is how you conduct yourself. This is how you're pure. This is how you to live your life. And hand washing was part of that. So it was like something like, I guess, 110 ways to wash your hands by your local Pharisee. Like it seemed pretty full on. It, you know, I might say I'm not going to get into my hand washing kind of activity, but most of us just kind of like literally like under the tap, five seconds, off you go. That's everybody, right? Yeah, good. Some people are nodding. For eating, I mean. Obviously, it's a thorough wash for other things. But uh, like it's... It, our hand-washing thing, it's not a big deal. We're not talking about it in church, are we? I don't know if anybody's ever had, like, oh, you, you're not following Jesus very well because you don't wash your hands very well. Has anybody ever had that? If you have, I'm really sorry. Because that, that shouldn't happen, okay? But it was happening here because they had a bunch of man-made rules, and those man-made rules were being breached. They came up with this little thing, and they said, now this is going to apply to everyone. And Jesus' response is pretty cutting why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Why do you break what God says in order to fulfill your own little worldview and your own little thing? Why do you disregard what I say and think that Mr. Rabbi has got it right compared to me, Jesus says? Why do we take the rabbi's word over God's word? If rabbi's word is in contradiction to what God's saying, where are you going to fall? And they'd fallen on the wrong side. They'd fallen on the side where they'd go after the, the stuff of the elders instead of what the word of God says. He then uses the example, you'll see it, of honoring your father and mother. And the Pharisees would practice this thing. And it talks about it in verse 5 where it talks about giving to God the responsibilities. And what they would do is they'd say, well, I've got this stuff. And my parents are getting old now. Uh, and so actually I can probably use this for other things. So I'll forget about mum and dad. I'll forget about them now. And I'll concentrate on hand washing. That's basically what they were saying. And they would pull up people to say, well, the disciples haven't been washing their hands. I know that they're looking after mum and dad, but they've not been washing their hands. It's not good enough. And Jesus says, you've prioritized your man-made rules over what 
God says. You've caused the word of God to be void, he says. That's really strong, isn't it? That's really strong, right? Nobody's nodding. Like, void, null, worthless. It's pretty full on what Jesus has to say there. Basically, the Pharisees wanted to get out of their responsibility of looking after mum and dad. And so Jesus says, verse 6, For the sake of your tradition, you've made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Now, I don't know about you, I've been a Christian for a little while now, and one of the things that's always leveled at me is, the church is hypocritical. Christians are hypocritical. Yeah, we are. In one sense, if we're like the Pharisees, if we're like, it's all about the hand washing, it's all about the rules, it's all about the traditions. But if we as people are like, you know what, I'm broken. You know what, I get things wrong. You know what, I'm a repentant person and I need Jesus as my rescuer. And I'm trying my best to do that. And I get it wrong sometimes, but I go again. We're not hypocritical, we just make mistakes. But if we're always like, these are my laws, these are my rules, and you must keep them, then we are hypocritical because can't, we can't even keep them ourselves. I bet a Pharisee missed hand washing day one day. He must have done. And yet they are on the disciples like a rash. And two obvious things I can see for why they're called hypocrites for us in thinking about this and thinking about actually that could be us in one sense. There's two things that are going on here as things that we can learn. I think the first thing is they're following man-made rules over the word of God. That's the first thing that they're doing. They're prioritizing their own agenda and their own stuff over what God's word says. The teachings they're actually going after are reflecting the culture and the world that they're in. You know, God's word is timeless. It's, it's still God's word now, even though it was written a long time ago. It's still relevant today, right? It still applies to our life today. It's still the story of God and who God is and how we know him. And in our world, I mean, Mick kind of touched on it when he was talking about evolution, creation. You know, in our world, which has a certain worldview that's anti-Christian, actually, in our nation in particular, increasingly so. We're not living in a Christian nation. If we are, it's a pretty poor one. But, like, the world doesn't like Jesus. And actually, the world's values, I don't know if you've noticed, are different to God's values. What God has to say is different to what the world would say. I don't know if you've noticed that. You should notice that. There's this whole thing we've done in Matthew that says counter-cultural living, that we're to be different. We're not supposed to be the same. It's supposed to look different because actually God's word says different things to the world. We've got to be really careful we don't fall into the same trap. There's massive pressure to conform, I think to, I would say, non-biblical values. There's massive pressure on the church, massive pressure on us and Christians in the workplace to conform to a certain viewpoint and to a certain way of being. And yet God's word says something different. What are you going to go for? What are you going to go with? That's the challenge Jesus gives to the Pharisees. They changed it. They'd done their own thing. It's important we don't fall into the same trap because if we do, we're hypocrites. We actually stand on nothing. It's hypocritical for us to say we follow God but not follow his word. Do you see that? It's hypocritical to say I'm a Christian but I don't like Jesus. Or I'm a Christian but you know that bit that's really awkward? You know that bit? I don't like that bit. I wish that bit of the Bible wasn't there. I'll just remove that or pretend it's not there. It's hypocritical. 
we've got to be consistent in our approach. It's either the word of God or it's not. Not part of it, all of it, or none of it. And that was the challenge back to the Pharisees. We can't say, God, mate, I don't like this bit, so I'm going to put this into my own words. Because if we do that, we're not following God, are we? We're just following ourselves, which is what happened with the Pharisees. And the second thing that goes on here, okay, the second thing is found in Matthew 15, 8 through 20. And it's all about that not just our external and what we do on the outside that matters, but what goes on in here. The stuff that is unseen by the majority of us, but seen by God, is what really matters. Let me read it to you. He called the people to him and he said to them, Hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Surprise, surprise. He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Jesus goes on to describe these people. This is 8 and 9. The people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I don't want to be like that. Do you want to be like that? I don't want our church to be like that. I want us to be faithful to the word of God as best we can, acknowledging that sometimes we'll get it wrong, and sometimes our view might be wrong, and we might have misunderstood something, and holding our hands up when we've got it wrong. But we want to be faithful to what God says. Jesus' conclusion here is it's not just what it looks like that matters, but what goes on in the heart. It's not about what you eat or drink. Good news, right? I don't know if you've ever heard that one. You're a hypocrite. You eat shellfish. Well, I love lobster, so of course I'm going to eat it. And if we actually understood the context and stuff in the New Testament, we'd be fine to eat shellfish. It's fine. I don't know if you've ever heard that one, but people will throw all sorts of things at you. But Jesus here says, it doesn't matter what you eat and drink in comparison to what goes on in your heart. Romans 14 says this, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I like that second half of that. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. And there is a massive danger, I think, in our I'm okay culture. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about when I say that, don't you? How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Because like, we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't, we don't want to show our vulnerable side. We want to say that everything's okay. Even, we want to say that our, we want to project that our walk with God is wonderful. You know, it's okay to say, I'm really struggling. It's okay to say, I need some help here. I, I need Jesus in my life because I'm really struggling with this. How are we going to grow? How are we going to put our faith? How are we going to get out of the boat if we're deceiving ourselves in the first place that everything's okay when it's not? Not everything is okay all of the time. And it's really important that what we believe 
the things that we believe, the things that are written down, that they impact our hearts. And then because that impacts our heart, it impacts our life. That's, that's the way around it should be. It's not just doing stuff for the sake of it. It's something has moved my heart so much that I'm going to live in such a way that reflects that. Do you understand that? Why do I try and do God-honoring things? It's not so that I'm a good Boy Scout. It's because Jesus loves me. Why serve God? Why serve the church? Not because somebody asked me to, but because Jesus loves me. Why try and keep my language pure? Because Jesus asked me to, and because Jesus loves me. Do you see what I mean? Like, If we come from that point, if something moves our heart, it should affect and change our behavior. But just changing our behavior without our heart being moved? It's just a show, isn't it? It's just a fabrication. It's just a performance. And God sees right through that, even if other people don't. And he describes it as the blind leading the blind into a pit. One commentator says this, it can never be right to follow the blind into a ditch. It can never be right. It can never be good for us to end up in a ditch. And what he's talking about here is the Pharisees, the the Pharisees, the religious leaders, have got all these things where they're saying, you know, this is how to live, this is how to go about stuff. But it's leading people away from God. And that's why there's actually kind of a huge pressure in one sense on those that teach. Because actually, I'm hoping, you guys are going, yeah, actually, that sounds about right. But if I've got it wrong, and I'm saying it's true, then we've all got it wrong. Because we're perceiving it to be true. Like, that's what was going on. It was the blind leading the blind, and nobody thought, actually, is that right? Have we got this right? Are we following after God correctly? And I kind of want to say this, that if there are people in your life, whether they're Christians or non-Christians, but they're a bit of a bad influence in terms of actually not being faithful to the Scriptures, not being faithful to actually who God is, Jesus says, leave them alone. Jesus says, distance yourself. That's what he says, because it's not good for you. That's quite full on, isn't it? Like If we're coming across stuff that's not helpful for us, don't engage it. Don't lap it up. Leave it alone. And my prayer, because, and, and for those that teach, I know Carl would say this as well, is that we try our best to understand the scriptures. Try our best to do that. We're not always going to get that right. But we'd love your prayer in trying to get that right. In, in trying to convey what God has to say to us today. And the flip side is that. Those that, I mean, for, for Mick, obviously Rex is an important guy in his life. Rex was someone who had answers for him. Rex was someone who showed him the truth. Sorry to kind of put you on the spot. It's a great example, though. Spend time with people like that. Find good influence. And be drawn to them and learn from them. And we all do that no matter how far into our Christian walk we are. All of us need that. Every single one of us should be doing that. Because we don't want to end up in life's pit. And that's where sin leaves us. that's what getting wrong leaves us. I went, uh, my brother, as I said, is getting married uh, at the end of this month, which is very exciting. Um, he's, what, six years younger than me? Um, but he's got no hair. Ooh. I know there's nothing wrong with that. He just got the wrong DNA. Look at this. You know, in five years, if this is gone, please remind me of this moment. That's okay. But he's getting married, and we went trials biking so for his stag do. And trials biking is like uh, motorbikes, but like 
outdoor, well, not outdoors, always outdoors, uh, motorbikes, but like on hills and, you know, through streams and over rocks. And you know those guys that can do those like mad skills where they jump up on rocks and stuff on motorbikes? Like that, but we were just watching that happen. Cause, and I did this thing, because I've been trying to learn to ride a motorbike. So knowing me, I'm, well, those that know me, I'm quite like, you know, oh, yeah, I'll be really good at that. I played badminton this week, and I thought, oh, I've not played in 10 years, but I'm still going to be mega. <laughs> I couldn't really move around very well. I was okay, but I wasn't as good as I used to be. But trials biking, I was like, I'm going to be amazing, because I've had one lesson on a motorbike, so I've got this absolutely sorted. Got on the, got on the 125. It's a lot of power, 125cc. Uh, and the guy said, just gently open up the clutch, go over there, stop at the tree. So I saw the tree, but I thought he meant a tree that was five, ten meters after that. So I went past the first tree, and this guy's screaming at me. And he's screaming at me because about five meters in front of me is a massive ditch. And I mean like the height of the top there to like vertically down here at the bottom, which I was going to end up. So I just like saved the bike and myself, and it was fine. I was like dusting myself down. I've got this still. Accidents happen. It's all right. So then it was turn around and go back the other way. So I thought, I've got this. So I get back on the bike, compose myself, heading the other way. And I can't remember what happens, but I remember being face down <laughs> in a ditch with a motorbike on top of me and my leg somewhere around my head. Well, maybe not as far as that, but my leg should have broken. It was that weird. And it took two people to try and move my leg and move the bike from off of me, and I broke the bike. So then the rest of the day, I was on an electric bike. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with electric, except it wasn't as good as a petrol engine. My point is this. We think we know what we're doing a lot of the time. We go our own way. We do our own thing. We think we're better than we are. We've got our own rules, and we're the master of this. We end up in a ditch face down with mud everywhere, hurting, broken. And this is what Jesus says. If you're going to follow the way of the world and not follow my way, if you're going to elevate your commandments and not listen to mine, it's going to lead you down a path I don't want you to go down. You're going to end up in the pit. And I don't want you to go there, Jesus says. You're going to make a hash of it. You're going to hurt yourself. And he doesn't want that for us. You know, there's all sorts of scriptures that talk about God has plans for our life and that God loves us and God wants us to know his peace and his joy and that's all true. But sometimes the decisions we make mean we end up in the pit. The things we listen to means we end up heading towards the pit. And Jesus doesn't want us to go there. He wants our hearts sold out for God, not just our external. For me to ride that bike... You know, for me to be sorted, I should have been like a much better biker. Maybe had more lessons. Maybe less of this and more like actually willingness to learn. And maybe I'd have been okay and I wouldn't have ended up in the pit. But I ended up in the pit because I did all the external stuff. Look at me, I'm amazing. I'm the best biker ever. But I didn't have any of the skill or ability in here. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm having motorbike lessons now and I still don't know what I'm doing. It's a scary thought, isn't it? But that's why you have lessons. The crowds don't get it either. 
the crowds don't get what Jesus says about purity. Our, our stuff generally doesn't get it. And so he puts it in verse 17 for us really plainly. Do you not see whatever goes into your mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? Don't need to explain that, do I? Good. Thank you, Suzanne. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. I don't think that's a comprehensive list, by the way. I think you could probably add more things onto that. It's just what Jesus says at the time, okay? These are the things that defile a person. Jesus says to you today, guys, it's all about your heart before me. It's all about what goes on in here. It's not about what it looks like. It's not about what everybody perceives it to be. It's about what is going on in here. And God says, I care about what goes on in here. Like nobody else cares about the state of your heart. That brokenness, that hurt, that time you were let down and it still like hurts you. Those disappointments of life, all those things that God cares about that. That God knows about those things. Solomon said this of our hearts. Okay, Solomon is, apart from Jesus, because it's always apart from Jesus, so he is the wisest person ever. Solomon. Okay? He asked for wisdom. He got given wisdom. He's the wisest person ever. This is what he says. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But he who walks wisely will be delivered. You know, our hearts move from thing to thing to thing to thing. If we were to listen to everything our heart says, we'd make a whole host of bad decisions all the time. And that's just me. Right? We're so impulsive, or we, we don't always think before we open our mouth, or we do this, or we do that. Our hearts are really precious things. But actually, out of them sometimes can come a world of trouble. You've heard me read that list. You know, that list of all sorts of things, murder, adultery, theft. Well, we're so often concerned with other people, or we're so often concerned with the world, or even as Christians, the devil, that we forget about our own hearts. We neglect our own hearts. I believe that the world and the devil combined cannot do as much damage to us as our own hearts would do if we would let them. We're so concerned about the world and so concerned about the devil. But I think there's the capacity in here that actually we can cause ourselves a world of trouble without anybody else's help. Right? And we've got to know that. And we've got to know that so that actually we can get help from God with that. Don't ever leave your heart unchecked. That's the message from Jesus there. Don't leave your heart unchecked. We can be too busy checking other people's hearts that we leave ours unchecked. That we don't think, oh, is that right? Am I doing the right thing before God? We sing sometimes, don't we? Songs like, break my heart for what breaks yours. That's where we've got to get to. I want a heart like Jesus' heart. But more often than not, my heart is like that of the Pharisee. But the good news is we can move towards Jesus' heart. We don't have to stay over here. We can have... Uh, we, we can move from that list, if you like, to new life. Corinthians talks about that, that actually when we come to faith, when we put our trust in Jesus, we get given a new heart. We get given a new life. We don't get an upgrade. We don't just get a bit of tweaking. We get new, brand new. You are replaced. The old is gone, the new has come, God says. I like to say it like this. I'm not the man I used to be. Praise God for that. 
And you would praise God for that, okay? And you should praise that for your, in your own life, that you're not who you used to be. But also, I'm not yet the man I should be. Or insert woman, you know, obviously. Like, we're on a journey, aren't we? Not who I used to be, but I'm not quite who I should be yet. We have to get our hearts right before God, and then our actions follow. Trying to follow God, guys, but never engaging your heart, never getting real with him, never being vulnerable with God and saying, search me, God, and I want to go all in for you, and I want you to be in control of my life, my emotions, everything, is a little bit like, I think, trying to swim the channel, okay? Trying to do that, which is a mega task, and people die doing that, but you can't even swim. Trying to follow God, but we don't sort out our hearts, just doesn't work. Trying to swim the channel, but you can't swim, what's going to happen? You're just not going to get very far. That's best case scenario, that you don't get very far. We have to sort our hearts before God. Here's a challenge for you to think about this morning, okay? Before you came to church, right? We're all here. We've all probably done some form of routine this morning. How long did you spend getting your external looking right? How long did you spend sorting what you look like? Your hair, your makeup, your beard, your clothing. I had this moment, I said, like, this morning. I mean, I came as a a cuddly teddy bear, apparently. So that was a mistake. Grace said I looked fine. Um, But we always do these things, don't we? You know, how long do we spend before we come to church thinking about what we look like externally versus how long do you spend before you come to church going, let's get myself right in here? Bet we didn't give it a second thought, did we? We probably spent five minutes in the shower, conservative estimate, five minutes doing our hair, brushing our teeth, looking in the mirror going, yep, looks all right today, whatever, however long. I mean, five minutes, half an hour, insert, whatever number that might be. But how long did we say, right, God, sort my heart out. I'm I'm going to church today. I'm going to be with God's people. I want to get right with you. How long do we spend sorting out in here versus sorting out out here? That hit me this week and I was just like, Obviously, you can tell I don't particularly care um, about whether my beard is all one length and all that. Whatever. But I still take time, believe it or not. I'll try to. But how much time do I spend sorting out my heart? David, Psalm 51, creating me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That has to be our prayer. Create something new within me, God. Make me a better man. Make me a better woman than I used to be. Sort out in here, God, because I need your help. Because I need your help sorting out out here as well. But I need it sorting in here first because my heart is going to cause me to stumble and fall. And we counter that. You want to know how you counter that? Intimacy with God. You want to know how you counter the kind of stumbling and falling and going in the wrong, wrong direction? Pursue God before pursuing other things. Pursue God. Let your heart pursue God. Spend time with God. And for different people, that's in different ways. There's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, in the Bible, it doesn't say you have to have a 10-minute devotional where you read it in Greek every morning. It doesn't say that. It just says, here, create in me a, a pure heart, oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Well, how do I do that? By being in the presence of God. 
by pursuing him, by spending time with him. How we do that is what works best for you. But that shouldn't stop us from doing it. David said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. When I read through that list of stuff where it's like, murder, well, I've never murdered anyone, or theft, well, I'm no thief. Isn't the temptation to go, well, I can think of someone that is, but it ain't me, mate, right? That's the temptation, yeah? Yes? Well, David, King David, was a murderer and an adulterer, and yet he was a man after God's own heart. So here's my question for you. Are you better than David? I don't think so. I don't think I'm better than David. I look at David's life and I'm like, even though he did that stuff and it's not commendable, but he got it wrong too. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. Well, that means me. And I'm not as devoted as David was. I don't think I'm anywhere near. Means, oh, I need to check my heart. I need to pursue God. I need to be intimate with him. I need to get following after him right in my heart. Why? Because Jesus loves me. And why? Because it matters. And it matters because the world wants to say hypocrite. It's desperate to say it. It's desperate to disprove that our faith is true. And it does that by saying, I look at the followers of Jesus and I don't like them because they don't seem to follow what Jesus says. It matters. So our heart matters because what comes out of our heart matters because people see it. My plea is, don't dress it up and make it look like it's okay. Let's get real with God and, of course, therefore, with one another. If there's stuff going on in our hearts, let's sort it out. But sometimes we need the help of someone else. Sometimes we need somebody else's voice and someone else's wisdom to help us with that. We've got to sort out the things that are in our heart that are wrong, the grudges and the hurt and the shame and things that are there are man-made rules that people breach whatever they might be our perceptions of church that I probably regularly break whatever they might be and actually say God if I have a choice of clean hands or a clean heart I'll take a clean heart but better still give me a clean heart that leads to me having clean hands that's got to be our prayer that's got to be what Jesus says here, give me a clean heart and clean hands. And that's what God does. And that's what Jesus does. And I just want to say this, that if you're here this morning and maybe you were in that category, like, you know, maybe you were like, that's not me. That list of stuff, what are you talking about? Well, it could be, couldn't it? But perhaps that is you. Like deep down in your heart, you know that's you. Because Jesus talks about it doesn't have to be like physical stuff, does it? You know, coveting starts in here. Before we steal something, adultery starts in here with lust before we do something. Our hearts matter and they're important to God. And we've got to get our hearts right. And I want to say this, that there's good news. You know, if that's your heart, if that's a description of your heart, there's good news that Jesus gives us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance because he loves you. Because he died for you. And he gives you a new start. That's what I love about Corinthians. The old is gone. The new has come. The old me is gone. With that heart is gone. And I've been given a new heart. A new chance. A new opportunity. 
Whilst there's breath in your lungs, I've said this before, whilst there's breath in your lungs, there is opportunity to change. There is opportunity to follow Jesus, isn't there? Today is the day to do it. Don't put it off. Don't be like, I'll sort it out next week. That's what our heart would say. God wants us to do business with him here and now and wants to give us a brand new heart. And yes, our hands might still be grubby, but God works on those two. And over time will change us and make us the men and women and children and whoever follows him that he wants us to be.